everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Awesome. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for jumping on with us today, the eCommunity Sierra here. Um, we have the founder of Earth Mama going to be doing an interview style with us today, just having some fun, chatting it up. I want to hear about what you're doing, kind of what the timeline is of everything. Um, and it looks like you have a beautiful name that I don't want to butcher. So I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself, um, talk about you know, how it all started in your background a little bit. Amazing. All right. Hello, everybody. Ciara and the e-community and Mark. My name is Tenille, Tenille Christensen. If you read it out loud, it's Tony L and it confuses everybody. So I actually, <laughs> most people, most of my friends call me Earth Mama or Toddy. I don't know where Toddy came from. It's stuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started this business as Earth Mama because that's how people sort of refer to me and yeah, so what would you like to know? Where do I start, really? I like that. Cool. So just tell me about where you're located, um, where you grew up, and what kind of brought you to what you're doing now with your business. Yep, cool. So I reside in a beautiful place called Karanda, which is in the village of the rainforest up in the mountains of Cairns in far north Queensland. We have the amazing Great Barrier Reef, and it's where the rainforest meets the sea so I feel super blessed and great um, grateful to to live in this special part of the world I have traveled a lot and um, yeah I definitely call this area home I grew up in Townsville which is four hours south and right now I'm actually at a place called Bungalow Bay Koala Village on Magnetic Island which is just off the coast of Townsville and we're the third week into school holidays here um, in spring, so these uh, September holidays is the most beautiful time of the year in terms of weather for us. We can swim in the ocean without being stung by jellyfish. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, yeah, living the dream here. Um, what got me started? I grew up in Townsville and um, I think my health really got me on the journey of permaculture. I was um, very, my, my health was degraded and I wasn't feeling very well. Um, and I went and saw, I had lots of hay fever and reactions. So I went to some GPs and I was getting told to take sprays and do this and that and I just, and take medi medication. And I thought, I knew that it was something deeper. So I went and saw a man called Rodney Mullins, who is a, um, an alternative doctor. He's a he's a doctor, but he also does um, Eastern uh, medicine as well. And he introduced me to um, food as medicine, and uh, looking at my diet. And at that time, my adrenals were so ruined that I was drinking four to five co coffees a day to get through the day. And so that was kind of the the big awakening. Um, in my, I'd say I was 26 at the time, and I, yeah, 
I just started looking at where I could get local organic food and I realised that in my community there wasn't any local food producers. We have um, food providers, uh, farmers that uh, are food bowl south of Townsville and I learnt that our food travelled all the way down to Brisbane, Melbourne or Sydney on trucks and then got moved around and then sent back up. So even though we had food growing maybe 100 or 200, 200 kilometres south of where we lived, it was it was travelling 2,000 kilometres to actually get to us. Um, we had no local food markets that you could go to on the weekend to um, eat and buy healthy food from local farmers. Nobody was really doing small-scale farming. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I read, I read, I did read some books earlier in my 20s called The Ringing Cedars, Anastasia, and I learned about permaculture then, but it didn't really click. Um, so that's where my journey in permaculture started. And I, yeah, started growing food in my home garden and uh, absorbed information I could find, started doing courses with incredible teachers here in Australia and never looked back, completely changed my life. Great. So what were you doing around that time when you were going through this, um, like, I don't even, I would maybe even call it like a spiritual awakening, this transition where you're changing things at a young age. What were you doing career-wise at that point in time? I, when I left school, I actually worked on um, Explorer Discovery boats out of Townsville and Cairns. So I did lots of traveling. Mm -hmm. I traveled for probably the first four to five years of my 20s. So I did lots of hospitality, mm -hmm. which were late nights, crazy hours, you know, working when other people are relaxing and split shifts. And then I moved back to Townsville and I started working in real estate. And that was, you know, that was a lot of work. That was 60 hours a week. And that was when I started drinking that much coffee. Um, I think I suppose I lost my work-life balance. I went from, you know, travel and freedom and being very close to the earth, um, maybe taking it for granted. I know that I did appreciate it a lot, but in reflection now, I have a deeper understanding of how important it is to have natural sunlight, to be grounding on the earth, to wear, to walk barefoot. Um, you know, to be exposed to the natural elements on a daily basis. So I think I went from that, you know, extreme into working inside four walls, being around technology and on the phone all of the time. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I was doing. And, you know, I was working with a beautiful family-owned company and I loved the people I worked with, but the culture was to work hard and to serve, serve, serve our clients. And, you know, I was very good at that, but it, it was at the cost of my health in the end. And just the lack of awareness that I had around food, you know, like I, I thought fresh food was from the fresh food people, which, you know, here is Woolworths and Coles are the two main, you know, big mcglomery food providers. And, um, you know, if I bought it every second day, then it was fresh. But that's not true. It's traveled thousands of miles and it's a small portion, you know, of tomatoes, the different types of tomatoes that I grow in my garden now. You know, we maybe have two to three varieties available on supermarket shelves. And they're not grown organically. Yeah. And so I learned about, you know, the 
the importance of good healthy soil so that we have you know a tomato can look like a tomato it's kind of like you know women who like or, or, or men whoever but you know when we get all dolled up and we wear all the face paint and we look so glamorous but yeah. underneath like it's like there's real people underneath and we might not you know if it's a show so if food can be like that as well it can look super sexy and real but actually the the substance of it is just not it doesn't carry the nutrients and and important trace minerals that we need for our health yeah absolutely and i think just touching back on what you said like lack of awareness that was me for a really long time, pretty much up until the point where I got involved in the EAT community and started talking to people like you about what you guys are doing. And I've learned so much by just talking to all the people that I've been making connections with. And it's funny to think about how my thoughts have shifted over time because I can remember, you know, four years ago thinking, Washing your vegetables, how important can that be? Like someone's picking it from the garden and throwing it into a box, like dirt is dirt. And then you learn about what you're talking about, the food traveling miles, and then my wheels just start turning about carbon footprints and packaging and highway pollution and air quality, just all, all these things that I never even, you know, just lack of awareness, never had a clue about. Yeah, so these uh, conversations are so important because we can, we walk around with assumptions or even, you know, a level of trust and believing that, that's how it should be done. So it's done like that, right? But yeah, there's different agendas at play. Um, but you know, in the last decade since I've been doing this, maybe a bit longer now, because um, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> um, I think so many people are more aware now. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure, for sure. So at what point did you take your passion into doing what you do for business and how are you monetizing from this? Is this what you do full time? Like I want to hear about it all. Cool. Um, all right. So rewind. So I, I, um, I joined the local permaculture group in Townsville and it was very much a tea and Vicky and conversation um, community where there was just such beautiful people there. Um, and they had lovely gardens. And then I met a few other people around my age who were like, yes, this is amazing. So let's start a community garden. So we just started doing different projects together and all the while um, growing through to my garden and improving that from just a normal suburban block. I met my partner, Blake, um, in this place as well. And so we were living maybe five minutes away from each other, um, him in Aikenvale and myself in Mundingborough along the side of the river. And we had like 605 square meter blocks and we just filled it full of food. Um, so I think people just started seeing that and asking us for advice and to come around and help them um, to know what to grow and how to, to design their properties. So it was like really, you know, sketching things on paper and um, was that there kind any, of jazz. your guys' area doing anything like that at that time? No. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we we started a bit of a movement. We had like a lot of friends join us and um, we had amazing foodie, feasty dinner parties and um, just talked. We're both plant nerds, really, <laughs> just talking about health and food and things like growing food. Um, and we, yeah, so with the, the 
community group asked us to take us take on management. So we um, we did that as friends and we put together a community garden and we started some um, just educational programs with Food for Thought um, with uh, another friend. And so we held monthly meetings for the permaculture group and also Food for Thought, which meant we were meeting every two weeks. Um, food for Thought was really based around people who were had more of an interest in food and health and having access to food. And the permaculture group was more about, um, call, it called in people who really wanted to learn how to grow it. And then there was a crossover of those same kind of people. So mm -hmm. we started, yeah, we started doing, we got grants from the council and started putting on Movies That Matter, um, which are films that um, are solution-based and they drew really great crowds and we combined that with a Food for Thought piece so everybody would bring a potluck and we'd put it around and make, make a big long table and everyone bring little recipe cards and before we'd eat, everyone would talk about what they grew and what they put in the ingredients so anyone with dietary issues you know it was like very clear on on what everyone was eating we were sharing recipes that way and um we would just have the most amazing feasts and then go and watch this really inspiring film um, so that that all kind of started and just evolved that way and then um Blake and I um, fell pregnant with our daughter Nova, so we moved up to Karanda, which is where his parents are and um, his hometown. And yeah, just started another garden there, <laughs> um, and then decided to to do it full time. So we started a business called Organic Motion, and a nice, you know, basically we <laughs> we set out to to design edible landscapes and to get people growing food in their gardens. It became a really big learning curve on business. And mm -hmm. so how to marry, how to marry, you know, our earthy permaculture understanding. We did um, training. So we went and did, um, we both did our PDCs with Darren Doherty um, from at Free Range Permaculture up north here. Um, he's got the agrarians if anyone's heard of the agrarians he works mainly with big farms to transition into um, permaculture systems and we went and trained with jeff lawton um, and then since i've done a lots of training with the amazing women um, permaculturalists here so robin clayfield robin francis um, penny livingston in at the green school in bali um, so i've just I've just become a student of permaculture. Um, always something to learn. Um, every property I go to, even for with our clients, new landscapes and yeah, people just have so much wisdom that they don't even know that they carry. Um, mm -hmm. We have a savers organization up here, um, the Real Food Network. So yeah, I feel like I learn something new every day and I, I just love to speak it out and share it with other people um, to keep that that flow going and you know people and like I I didn't know what I didn't know mm -hmm. so um yeah just speaking from the heart and sharing sharing what I know and it's um yeah so I've just naturally become an educator and lots of people asking about courses and things so we've run two permaculture design courses we went and got trained into being permaculture design teachers um, so we ran to amazing tropical permaculture courses up at the Steiner School um, and around the Tablelands, did amazing tours to really incredible properties. Um, 
and I run a two-day introduction to permaculture courses around North Queensland and I run a one-day incredible edibles workshop which is based on the book that I wrote but the book came later I kind of ran the workshop and then all of the notes that I created <laughs> ended up turning into a book and then everyone's like can you get this printed so that's the um, explanation of the tropical superfoods guide that's cool. So with all the education and stuff that you're doing, when you say courses, are you doing live, like boots on the ground courses and doing tours? Or is this um, just where you're going out and doing it, like hosting a webinar like this? Yeah, well, up until COVID, it was very much on the ground mm -hmm. and working with people, groups. Um, as of last year the beginning of this year sorry 2021 I started with a good friend of mine an online program so it's a permaculture program for families um, that's really close to my heart even even our our in-person two-week PDCs um, I might they were very focused around families so we had a nature kids program happening alongside the parents learning so that families could come together because I just think this is such a really, really important information and life skills for <laughs> to have. And as a parent myself, we can be it can be quite limiting as to where we, you know, two, taking two weeks off work or two weeks away from our children is damn near impossible. And it's such an amazing um, life skill for children to learn as well so we just combine the two and I'm not sure of any other organization in Australia that really focuses on families learning together um, so so our nature kids program was just as popular as our permaculture training and yeah, then ask are you getting a lot of engagement um, from and feedback from the community on the kids end of it yeah yeah Good. absolutely yep yeah. and really it takes um you know like it's it's so much learning for for adults as well it's we're facilitating and role modeling for the children so we as parents really you know we're on that journey and we're embodying it and facilitating that for them to learn as well um so it's you know when you become you're the student and then you start teaching that, you really learn it more because it's, it's just the way that we structure it in our mind to take in and understand these skills and new behaviors and practice and understanding to then put that outwards for to meet our children at their different development levels and where they're at. We, we can embody it so much more by then becoming their, their teacher in that way. So we went online and we've been developing a, a program that is a year-long curriculum, um, but it's self-paced and, and it's lifetime access. So people can cycle through it as many times as they want. Um, and there's 12 months of the year and we're working with David Holgram's 12 principles of permaculture because they really, you know, they're packaged really well and they explain it. And there's a few of Bill Mollison's principles in each of his 12. And, you know, it's got all of the, the understanding of and the conceptual understanding of what the principles are but then we've got activities and games and really teaching how to um, how to live these skills for sustainability through play and making it fun yeah yeah so to give our audience and myself some context here I want to hear a little bit more about 
your introduction course, like what could someone expect, like the key fundamentals about permaculture in the first introduction course? Or I mean, what is kind of your curriculum there? Cool. Yeah, that one, the first part, so it goes for two days and we run it from 9 a.m. in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. And we have three breaks to, you know, nourish ourselves. Um, we the first part really is about um understanding introducing the principles so everyone can see these universal um principles for sustainability and thinking tools essentially is what they are um what blows a lot of people's minds is the domains so most people come into permaculture and they think it's about uh growing food which is one flower of the eight different domains, which is the earth stewardship aspect. But we can apply permaculture design to um, economy and finances, which I think you guys really narrow in on. Yeah. Um, uh, education, our health system. Um, so we've got, you know, the very physical earth stewardship and land management, but then there's also those um, intrinsic, but non-physical um, systems of of life like economics and um, law education where it's more around redesigning our thinking systems and our communication systems yeah very cool um yeah. rewind a little bit i swear i always have like i'm gonna go through these things in my head and then i get all excited and i'm like i forgot to ask about that so go <laughs> Going back to when you first started your journey down this road, you were talking about trials and tribulations that you were experiencing with your health. Uh, when did you see a change? Like what was kind of the route that you took? And then when did you start seeing a change in your health where you're like, man, this stuff really is doing the, the job? Yeah, almost immediately. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, this was in, I mean, I'd say within two weeks, I was feeling so much better because I cut out just the basics in terms of um, dairy and wheat. Mm -hmm. And I looked into, oh my gosh, like even, you know, bread, I can eat sourdough if it's like made properly. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think our food system's really just been, um, yeah cheaply produced and yeah. so did you um, find the taste palette changed over time or you yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so the foods that grow here in our tropical region are, are very different to what we find on the supermarket shelves so they are they are sending you know like we can't grow carrots all year round here in the tropics right we, we have a window of about two to three months at the most but you can get carrots at the supermarket all year round. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, all of the European vegetables that people are used to seeing in recipe books and, and having because they see it on the shelves at the supermarket, it, they're not sustainably grown in our yeah. region. But we have actually so much food that grows really easily, but it's not, it hasn't been part of our culture. Yeah. So... Yeah, so it's been, um, you know, learning from, um, yeah, some of my greatest teachers have been the beautiful women at the markets, the Asian women with their 
market gardens and learning you know they <laughs> it's like I always ask what is this what is this for this weird looking thing and and they say soup salad or stir fry <laughs> and yeah the amount of tropical greens that we have available so it's been like a, a learning of um trying new things mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting too is a lot of our tropical greens have uh, a mucilage in it to a different degree and so that sometimes is you know some people don't like that but medicinally it is really cooling it cools down our body and it heals our gut which really helps because in the in the tropics here we we have really hot summers and those plants grow really abundant in summer like you could you could break a bit off and drop it on a pathway and it will just like <laughs> it'll grow almost like a weed like they're just you're tripping over the food in your garden at that point and that's exactly what our body's asking for at that time. Yeah. That's great. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced with, um, let's on the earthy side, so with your design in permaculture, and then some of the challenges that you faced on the business side with making a career out of it all? Um, I'd say to answer the first part, for the first five years of our business, we spent a lot of time just educating people on what permaculture is. Mm -hmm. So they didn't even know that they want it or that they need it or why it's important. Um, so that was a big part of our conversation. So we that's why we named our business um, Edible Landscapes and Design, because people can get that Edible Landscapes part. Of, we, we've started with permaculture design yeah. and people were like, who's that? Now we say edible landscapes and design and people go, oh, like permaculture. That's great. <laughs> so, what is your definition for people who are like, what's that? When you're like, oh, permaculture. What is your go-to general definition to describe to someone who's not really familiar at all? I say it's a design system and lifestyle to create sustainable sediments and grow awesome food, organic food in your garden, and live a, a healthy, abundant lifestyle. That I usually that. kind of encapsulates that. And then if I've got more time, I explain that. You can design it in all aspects of the domains. These are the domains, but you know, as the, the elevator pitch. I you know, love that. You have cool. awesome food, grow organic food. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. really it is a design system. Yeah, so you can have, you know, you could have an organic garden um, but have it, you know, right out too far to, to look after it. So, you know, design includes putting things in the correct zones and having the elements work together and make it, um, designing it harmoniously. Um, yeah, so, I mean, because we do, here in Australia, we have a lot of um, Italians and, you know, cultures that have come here that do, you know, they from home, they did have beautiful gardens and grew food, but there's this interesting kind of mindset where if you had a garden, then you would hide it, you'd put it out the back near the shed, not up against the house where it's really convenient and close because that's that, how it is here. yeah that's how it is here you never see anyone with gardens in the front yard or anything it's always in the back corner i've been told my husband i'm like screw the flower bed let's start growing tomatoes out front in the mulch <laughs> and he's like are you crazy and i'm like 
I need to get you on some of these webinars. <laughs> yeah, herbs right at the back door and you're all of your fresh picking greens and yeah. Yeah, so it's like you're poor if you're growing your own food out there, you know, and now it's like if you've got, if you don't have to work a nine to five and you can stay home and potter in your organic garden and eat lavish feasts, you're rich, you're abundant. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So what does your average day look like? Do you spend more time in the garden? Do you spend more time behind the screen running the business? I'd say a bit of both. Like I'm really at the moment, um, my children at school, so I'm like available for work between 9.30 and 2.30. Um, so that's when I do most of my computer work, especially this year because I'm developing all of the content for our online program. In saying that, I am itching to get out in the garden more. Yeah. So there's an end. There's an end line. I'm like, okay, it's just for this year. Um, but yeah, before and after, I spend a lot of time out in nature, walking my dog, uh, um, in my garden. Yeah, harvesting, maintaining, planting. Yeah, I work a lot with perennials. So really, in our winter, which we've just had, we're just come. Yeah, spring's here now, um, and things start drying up. We have less water they that's kind of the busiest time where I'm planting more seeds and having that um, consistency of work in the annual vegetable garden mm -hmm. but yeah during summer it's mainly like keeping the pathway clear and just managing the overgrowth of everything and um, yeah perennial systems are really what grows really well here and is more um, abundant and and also because we run businesses and we're busy people um, and we travel a lot as well, um, we have a low, we try to keep things low maintenance. So our goal is to grow as much food as we can, but with the least amount of effort and yeah. maintenance. Yeah. So what does winter look like for you guys then? Uh, winter is magical here. It's, we have blue skies and it's around 20 degrees. It drops to about, well, we have like some mornings around six to eight degrees. And it's when the most activity happens in the garden in terms of um, kale and broccoli and zucchinis and um, beans and carrots and you know all of the the treaty kind of vegetables and then of course preserving and dehydrating them um but yeah it's it's really pleasant when it comes to the summer it's really hot and humid and wet and I'm in my gum boots like three months of the year <laughs> <laughs> so it's, here, it's our festival season yeah and we're we're very fortunate right now i mean we've in terms of covid we've been in lockdown for two weeks and three days for the entire time oh okay i thought you meant just recently you were back on a lockdown okay no that's been the extent of it so life goes on and i think everyone up here um is very understanding and appreciative of our lifestyle and how um yeah how lucky we are mm -hmm. um, there's been, there's lots of new things happening because uh, especially Cairns is, we're, we're very based on international tourism. Mm -hmm. 
which is not happening anymore. So there's lots, lots more happening, um, things popping up for locals. And yeah, we've just had lots of camping and festivals, music festivals and arts and things like that. Um, Sounds like a really good time. <laughs> so COVID didn't have much of an effect on what you were doing with your business at all then? Made it busier. All of okay. a sudden, all of a sudden, everyone were like, oh, we need to grab all food. Yes. <laughs> That's generally yeah. what I hear is people find that it almost made the community get more involved with what they were doing because they actually were thinking for the first time in a long time, hey, where is my food coming from? Do I need to be worried about if it's going to keep coming from that place? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we had a lot of seeds. So... <clears throat> Last year, I grew lots of seedlings for our community. Um, yeah, so I was just in the nursery a lot, um, providing because people couldn't get seeds. Our our seed providers in Australia were um, everyone wanted them to buy seeds all of a sudden, and they just didn't have they couldn't keep up with the demand. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah, I was in the nursery planting, 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 and then I was delivering. Um, I do fifty dollar plant delivery, so people people spend fifty dollars worth, you know, and that's enough to get a vegetable garden happening. I would deliver it to their place and drop it off, and yeah, so that was that was kind of a bit of a pivot um, that I didn't have time for um, prior yeah. to COVID. Um, yeah, so just kind of listening to the demand and meeting people where they're at. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that it didn't have a negative effect, so that's good. I think we have some um, comments or questions from the audience. I'm actually on my iPad for the first time. I always use my laptop, so I'm going to go ahead and let Mark answer those for us, or if you can read them out for her, Mark, that would be great. Great. Okay, so there's, there's one question from Anete, and she asks, when will... Uh, when will Tunnel's online course launch? Awesome. It is launched already, so you can join us at any time. Um, for this year, we are, um, we are publishing it month by month, so we're into September now. Um, but you can, you can join us now. It's called the Nature Kids Permaculture Program. Um, there is on my website earthmama.co there's a, a little link and you can click on that and learn all about it and join us straight away I'll, cool. I'll make sure that i'll make sure that everybody has that a link to um your website i'll i'll have that uh mailed to everybody um so that they can join cool awesome thank you and a note for all the other listeners, don't be shy, drop a comment or a question down there and we can get some answers for you. Mark, do you have anything I don't want to interject without asking? No, no. Um, it's amazing what she's doing. I like all the pictures on her Instagram. So I, and, yeah, Mark, and, why don't you bring up her website and um, you can show on there where the courses are and where they can find out more information yeah absolutely i will um i'm going to go to her website right now so let's see all right uh okay so here it is uh, i hope everybody can see this yeah. 
we can go to her uh, her home page. So this is Eric Mama. Um, and find all about her and here's about her. Here is contact information and I'll have all this information for you um, people in the audience for you. Uh, I'll put this with the replay of this webinar and you can find out all about you know how you can get this code and there's also a free book you can get I believe is giving away a, a free stuff, free book uh, right here. Book up, book up. Yeah, so check it out, everybody. Um, and beautifully well done website. What is, do you have a team? Is it just you and your partner? I mean, are you guys building all of this? How does that work? What's behind the scenes look like? Yeah, so the this website I built myself, it's through a platform called Kajabi, and it's oh, dedicated <laughs> yeah, you know it. Yep. Cool. Yeah, we, so that's we, what that's the, that's what I run my program on. Um, the organic motion permaculture website I co-created with Blake Hudson, my partner, and he is um, now the Earth Artesian. He does. Um, he's an amazing designer. He's got a lot of IT skills, so he. His capacity to produce like really visual, beautiful designs, like mine are hand drawn, and then I pass them to him, and he does like next level designs. Um, so yeah, as far as like, answering that question around the business stuff, like this has been the the journey for me is learning all of the IT techie kind of you know do it do it yourself marketing and website and just social media like. Facebook and Instagram and all of that um, and you know editing videos to put on into our program and now yeah once the, once the content is completely finished for nature kids then next year I'll be doing a lot more um, YouTube videos and um, just sharing more on out on my Instagram in terms of video stories and just adding more value out outwards to you know bring people in and give them all of that juicy core information that we've packed into the program yeah I love I that to, you're doing yeah. such a great job I just kudos to you you guys are doing amazing work like Mark said it's very inspirational I love everything that you guys are working on right now <laughs> thank you yeah my my latest trainings have been in um, sociocracy and dynamic governance uh, with Robin Clayfield. She's an amazing permaculture woman in Australia. She's taught lots of PDCs over the years, but her calling really is around social permaculture. And um, yeah, that's something that I've just, people have just naturally asked me to come and help facilitate of late places like schools that might be having a bit of difficulty um, in terms of making decisions together. Um, I think when we work in organizations and we have, if we don't have a clear aim and know what everyone's on the same page, knowing what they're doing, or if there is, you know, some really strong personalities and um, people aren't feeling heard, then this, yeah, this is a really beautiful process based, like permaculture design, you know, from A to Z, there is a process so that you can create these um, integrated designs we can do that in social settings as well. There's um, the circular system um, or the sociocratic circle system of 
process so that you can come to really um, clear decisions where everyone is heard. Um, so that's really exciting. That's kind of, I guess that's where I'm doing less, you know, because when I first started out, I was on the ground, like pushing wheelbarrows and sweating and, you know, doing all of the hard, hard yards. And, you know, now that I've got two daughters and my time is between 9.30 and 2.30 as far as my work week, um, I'm, I'm just working differently rather than on the ground. I'm, yeah, kind of, um, yeah. Managing, coaching, coaching, managing teams and things like that. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So talk a little bit more about um, the kids program that you're doing. Cool. Um, all right. So there's the principle that we explore every month. And I'm doing this. That's my daughter, Nova, that picture just there, holding our little um, lavender Sussex chickens that we hatched recently. We have five of them. Two of them are roosters. So we've got three roosters. <laughs> um, and we've got a Kelpie dog. And he, the chickens peck at his face. Oh. <laughs> them around. Like, <laughs> there he's heard. If they're growing a little bit, there's Blake and I um, in that other photo there. Um, okay, so the program. Um, there's, I also have an Instagram page called the Nature Kids Club, and there's lots of information in there as, as well and, you know, insights into some imagery of what we're doing. Um, Samantha Jurgens, who I do it with, she was actually a student that came to my first PDC with her daughter. And she loved it so much she came back the next year because she said it was a retreat and her life changed from that experience. And at that second um, course, she said, I'm moving here and I'm going to work with you. <laughs> great. That's great. I love and that. There. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yep. So, so Samantha does, obviously, she's got permaculture experience too, and she does um, children's yoga. So we've been doing, um, included each month is a new movement. We either include yoga or breath work um, or a story, but it's all embodying the movement. So this month, for example, it's So and Small Solutions, and we've talked, we've talked about the story of the turtle and the hare and slow and steady wins the race. And so as cool. a story, there's different yoga moves that go with it um, and different breathing. So a lot around, you know, self-regulation. Um, so that's one aspect of it. We have a zero waste challenge every month as well that ties into it. So this month is really um, connecting to the slow, move, slow food movement and, you know, baking our own bread, We've got a fun activity of making butter from cream with a, a jar and marble so the kids can, you know, see the work that goes into it and really savour and, and see how food is the science and how to transform. Yeah. I love how that. you guys are building this whole new understanding around food. Like it's something that I wish that I would have been taught when I was a kid. And it's almost like just, right time because of the climate crisis and the generations changing and everything it's like what you guys are doing is just spot on what we need right now yeah and it's it was a pain point for me I was sick so often as a child because of the food that I was eating mm -hmm. and my parents amazing beautiful people they didn't know any yeah. different 
And so if I can save other children from that experience, you yeah. know, like my purpose here is done. Um, but it works both ways. If we eat a healthy diet, we are we are we are receiving that from healthy land. One one goes to the other. If we have a diverse um, diverse food diet because we're growing food at home, it's because we've got diversity in our garden, and it's actually quite simple. There's like a few ingredients. You know, we have ingredients to bake a cake. There, we can recycle all of our food scraps. Nothing should be going into the bin. We can, yeah. we can, and that's part of our program. You know, we teach people how to do slow, uh, slow hot compost. Yeah. Lots of people put food into a, a bin, and it's a cold compost, and it just attracts vermin. It doesn't actually compost for like um, a year or two. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. If you guys do composting and all of that, so elaborate on that. Will I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, yep. So different fertility practices. So we can make, we make weed tea. Um, we use uh, like this month slow and small. So it's really about um, you know different green manures that we can plant to um, regenerate the soil, especially in areas where we might be planting a food forest. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's worm tea. There's things that we can do and ferment our food and make bokashi juice. So we're introducing a full, you know, diversity in um, different fertility practices that are very simple ways for us to do at home. And the kids can like, you know, own it. They can, that's, that's their thing. They, and source separating from the kitchen. Um, so it really is about um, the practice, the practice of permaculture, like putting it into our daily life, our behaviors that just become just our sustainable lifestyle you know yeah. like anything that you like it might be a new concept but you practice it for a month and you forget that you never even did it before it just becomes who you are and yeah so that's a big part of it just um, becomes we also, pardon just becomes a piece of you yeah yep absolutely yep um, we do a plant allies and animal totems each month. So throughout the year, the children have an opportunity to really deepen our relationship with 12 different plants from their region and 12 different animals. So we really, our intention was to design this so that it could be, it can be applied, the program can be applied to any climate. Okay. Wherever well, yeah, Northern, Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. We do. Um, we we celebrate the seasonal changes, so it's not religious or dogmatic. But we do go into the you know the shifts of the sun and the earth and what creates the changes in season. And really stopping and pausing. We have eight opportunities throughout the year to create a little celebration within our families and talk about what we're noticing. So we have an observation chart where they they're observing what plants they're seeing you know they can keep track of what they plant and what they're growing um, what animals are coming in at different times of the year the weather so you know depending on the children's age um, the detail that they put in there will be very different they might draw pictures or really you know if you've got elder ki older kids that are really um, mathematical they'll put things that they, they it's all very different from one family to the next but yeah. the template lots of templates there um, 
and then you know yeah just bringing in those fees so for this month um you know we've got the spring equinox here but you guys in the northern hemisphere have autumn mm-hmm. so you know, like some some families it's amazing but some people don't even know that that it's different in in different parts of the world yeah yeah some people don't know where the sun rises and where the sun sets from their from their space of love from their home in which they reside every single day before they you know learn to plant a tree in the right location yeah like the awareness of where the sun moves can be a, a whole new experience for some people yeah so a whole just a whole new world and a lot of different things that people probably haven't even thought about that they end up learning along the way when they start diving into learning about all of the permaculture and ecological footprints and things such as that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, while you're looking at that, yeah, something that came to mind when you asked before around my health and how quickly I knew the changes or experienced the changes in my health. Um, one, one milestone one particular memory that I have where I just kind of really felt it in my body was um, I went to give blood. My grandmother told me that she had um, she had blood transfusions which saved her life when she birthed my uncle, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about that. And, and I thought, wow, that's really amazing. You know, there's, and then I spoke to other people about it and everyone's like, yeah, I donate love, blood to the blood bank. I was like, oh, wow. So I went to do that and, um, and they did a test on my blood and they came back and they said, wow, you, you have amazing blood. Like, do you eat a lot of red meat? Your iron count is incredible. And I was, I was a vegetarian at the time. I said, no, I actually and they're like what do you do I said I literally walk out my back door and I pick we have a a vine spinach called Ceylon spinach and it grows almost love heart leaves like this and it's so dark and green you can see the (laughs) the chlorophyll in it and I like put things in it and use it as a wrap so it's literally like one step outside my back door and the, the vine was growing over and creating shade and um, so I just eat greens from my garden all day. And I'm like, whatever, you, just keep doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> and what's weird to me is, I mean, these are medical professionals that are shocked by the fact of your health from what you're eating. Like, these are people that are advising everyone else what to do with their health. Um, I mean, other than the doctors that you were talking about, would you consider that like holistic medicine? Yeah, Dr. Um, Rodney Mullins was definitely a holistic. So he was a, a general practitioner, so a qualified GP, but he also um, was studied in um, in Eastern medicine. So he combined both. Yeah. Um, but I had seen 20 plus doctors around my allergies leading up to that in my early 20s so all through my childhood and teenagers and I was just always told to take this and to breathe you know this isn't no that spray isn't that mind-blowing <laughs> it's <laughs> scary <laughs> and I, I like I'm I'm actually quite shocked that at this time 
the narrative from our government and councils and you know the media the mainstream media that's coming in there is no one is talking about increasing people's natural health and antivirals and like you know i, I, I did say a pill or a juice or a tea or something they're not talking about it yeah yeah there are a lot of people talking about it but they're sharing it within community and it's underground it's mm -hmm. i don't know mycelium running through social systems and yeah. you know, the loudest up there that's in the main of everything is um it's a completely different narrative so i think that in itself is um very eye-opening <laughs> You've talked a lot about people who have influenced you along the way and people who have been inspirations to you. Um, who are some of like your top three influencers and then some great resources along with those that have kind of helped you get to where you're at today with your level of success? Yep, awesome. So Vedana Shiva is amazing. She is um, she's a scientist, a feminist, and a woman powerhouse. She has lots of YouTube. Um, I think she's been on TED Talks. She's an international speaker, so you can find her with a quick search. Um, she's got a films, her own films, um, Seeds for Change. She has a place, can't remember the name of it, but in India where she is teaching um, keeping the diversity of different plants in and seeds in India and has a big seed bank that people travel, well, were traveling from to, to learn and to support farmers, um, especially women farmers. Um, in India, um, if people aren't aware of the whole BT cotton, um, there was over I think 200,000 Indian men farmers who drank the um, who committed who, who suicided um, around the whole Monsanto or cotton industry. Look it up. Lots lots to find David. there. Yeah. Um, so these women were left with the farms. So she's yeah really. Um, has organizations and systems to help support them. Um, so she's a she's a great inspiration, just for power and just says so clearly into the camera, into you know, when she speaks, it's you want to listen to every word she has to say. Yeah. Um, I'm leaning in right now. I need to find <laughs> out more about this lady. <laughs> yeah, Shiva for sure. Um, Robin Clayfield. Um, in the whole social permaculture realm, um, yeah, she she does. She's just such a beautiful, humble human being, and um, her she she also teaches creative creative teaching, creative facilitation. So I've done a lot around um, dynamic governance and sociocracy with her, which is very um, decision-making process-based, but she also teaches teachers of permaculture how to do it in, in a very uh, engaging way. So as much as I loved the, my, P, my first PDC, I've done two PDCs. The first one that I did, 
I was like a sponge. Like I absorbed so much and it's a paradigm shift. When you leave after two weeks, you see the world in a completely new way. Have you had that experience? That's that's what we're going through right now. Yeah, it was literally my transition from what I was doing before and then jumping on board with the e-community. And it's just like every single thing I'm just, it's blowing my mind. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. And, you know, when I had those health issues, which got me onto this journey, I think if you're unhealthy, it's very difficult to be in a thriving, abundant mindset. It's like life is hard. So I was experiencing depression, but I didn't know that. I just just thought this is what life was like. And, you know, because I wasn't feeling anymore and I had a job and responsibilities and all of these grown-up things to do. And um, But... I did go down into the valley of, oh, my God, the rabbit holes of, you know, when you actually start looking at the food system. Yeah. Very depressive. (laughs) And you're like, you know, there's lots of films that educate you. You're scarred and you can't sleep for, like, two weeks and you're just having nightmares. Yeah. (laughs) And there's lots of media and films which aren't solution-based, but they're very good at giving you a – the, the truth about what is actually happening you know yeah. when we look at you know if we're supporting if we're buying sugarcane like we've got far up here the issue is forests are cut down to grow sugarcane mm. for sugar for people to you know like it's a legal drug yeah. <laughs> and and the nitrogen oxide the nitrogen fertilizers that they put on on these on this monoculture of sugar production goes into our riverways and leads out to the Great Barrier Reef and it's killing the Great Barrier Reef. Like, it's insane. There's great organizations that are working, you know, like it is going in the right direction. Is it happening fast enough? I don't know. But, you know, I'm working on the community and family level so that people have this awareness and they decide that, you know, well, how can I have a sweet mother? How can I grow stevia in my garden and not actually support the sugarcane industry? That kind of thing, you know, like there's so many alternatives out there. But it's so um, cool. It's almost me, like you, like you're the root of it. You know, like you're the beginning. You're the the first stepping stones for people to find that awareness and then start moving toward a more solution based idea. You know. Yeah, because I put myself back in my shoes. You know, I go back into the past of where I was and how lost I felt, and that kind of you know when the that awakening and realization is quite painful and hurtful. And yeah, so when I found permaculture, it is just, it's solution-based. The problem is the solution. (laughs) There's a principle 101, the problem is the solution. It took me a little while to get my head around that, but now it's like whenever a challenge or a problem comes up, and this is having a permaculture mindset, okay, we're faced with the problem. Do we, like, how do we respond to that? We creatively respond to change. That's embedded. That is a principle. So do you if find that having a new yeah. approach all the way around to problem solving in general? Just, okay, a more open mind. I found out, I found a way to look at the comment, go me. Um, and it's a comment for you and it's really sweet. So I'll just read that out and then um, give you a few minutes to give some closing thoughts before we wrap up here. It says, this is a fabulous conversation. I'm learning so much. Just followed on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Very thank sweet. You. Thanks for joining. 
Americans, we really appreciate you being here with us. If it weren't for you guys, there wouldn't be an us. So I'll let you say anything else that you have for closing words. And I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been awesome. Don't be shocked if you hear from me down the road asking you to maybe do a course for us. <laughs> Amazing. I am so grateful. Thank you for this time. It's been such a, a wonderful experience. And um, I think, you know, the theme as I work through and create the program, I'm living it as well. So, yeah. you know, I'm right in slow and small solutions right now. And I think that's how, you know, I, I apply everything that I'm seeing and doing. And, and so I just want to speak that out is we every single small choice that we make and we do makes a really big difference and you we we are we're role modeling how we show up for the world mm -hmm. how we show up for ourselves it's observed and every action that we have has a reaction so um you know are you how are you responding to the challenges because there are challenges right now this is such an unprecedented interesting time Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to permaculture, it's the, you know, uh, one of the major elements of, of permaculture design is zoning. And we work from the inner zones out. So we can't be working right out there in zone five. We need to be here and get health and harmony happening within. So we have our house, traditionally permaculture is taught with our house being our zone zero zone one being right outside of our home and all of the activity and the plants that we and the systems we put in place to create abundance and harmony just outside of our front door and then the zones um uh you know we they're designed by how often we visit them and zone five is nature it's where we go to replenish but we don't do anything because nature has it there it's the, the, the protective wild places yes what i've over the last few years is that we have zone zero zero is inside of us it is our thoughts and our mindset and i've been studying neuro-linguistic programming and coaching and it's so important for us to have um to, to have sustainable regenerative thoughts and beliefs and and a story of a new way and abundance and solution-based and co-creation and creativity and integration. That's the new way. And it starts by us believing it and living it from the inside out. So that's where I'll leave it. Thank you so much. I will be connecting with you in the future for sure. It's been so fun having you on. Have a great one. Uh, Total pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good morning. <laughs>